white helmets. To save a life is to save all of humanity. Abu Omar. The Syrian civil war is one of 60 major armed conflicts disrupting the lives of millions of people across the world. Beginning in the Arab Spring of 2011, this multi-sided conflict has spawned a major refugee crisis spreading across the Middle East and into Europe. So far, an estimated 400,000 people have died in the war and dozens of massacres and chemical attacks perpetrated against combatants and unarmed civilians have caused untold suffering and deaths. The United Nations has launched many peace initiatives to end the conflict, but the fighting continues. Beginning in 2012, groups of civilians from affected towns and cities started responding to one devastating impact of the carnage, people buried beneath the rubble of buildings that are destroyed by bombings and airstrikes. Officially known as Syria Civil Defence, but best known as the White Helmets. Their main activities are to provide urban search and rescue, medical evacuation and essential services like reconnecting electricity, providing safety information to children and securing buildings. They have no connection to any political, military or religious group and their mission is to provide humanitarian aid to anyone in need. Since their humble beginnings, the White Helmets have grown to number more than 3,000 volunteers, including 140 women, operating from 111 local civil defence centres across the war-torn country. Mostly, their efforts are responding to the aftermath of attacks and bombings, but many White Helmets have put their lives on the line amid sniper fire to rescue the bodies of men, women and children and soldiers so that the fallen can be given a fitting burial. By June 2017, 191 white helmets had been killed, saving the lives of their fellow citizens or retrieving their fallen bodies. Khaled Omar Harar is a former builder and white helmet volunteer living in Aleppo city with his wife and two young children. A volunteer for the past three years, he's retrieved countless living and dead people from the rubble in a city that's seen 13,500 people killed and 23,000 injured since the conflict reached Aleppo in July of 2012. Khaled sees no distinction between his family and his fellow citizens. In an interview recorded in 2013, he said, I have a strong belief in my work for the White Helmets. Whenever I'm on a rescue, I try as hard as possible to save every person under the rubble, whether they're young or old. I consider them all to be my family. I've been with the White Helmets for three years. I've seen many people who have died in bombings. I've seen many people who were rescued alive. The casualties are rising daily. The bloodbath is not stopping. I'm willing to sacrifice my soul for the sake of my people. This job is sacred. He went on. A child even if he's not my son, is like my son, and I cannot explain it. As an example, I'll tell you a story that happened to us in Aleppo. Two barrel bombs were dropped in the Al-Ansari area. The first one left a number of people wounded, but the second barrel bomb killed a lot of people. We went into the area. It was like a small village made of ten houses, 
and all the buildings had been levelled to the ground. On that day our work was very hard, and we worked for about 16 hours. By that time everyone was weary, and it seemed impossible that there could be further survivors beneath the fractured concrete and rubble. And then Khalid heard a cry. A baby's cry. I thought I was being delusional because I was so tired, he said in a media report. I asked my friend, will you listen? Put your ear here and try to hear. I think I hear a baby's voice. He said, yes it is. This gave us renewed strength to continue the work. It gave us hope that some people were still alive. After 16 hours under the rubble, a baby less than a month old, still alive, under the dust, under the ceiling that had fallen on him. We called him Miracle Baby. The baby was one week old, and at that time my son, Abdul Hamid, was almost two weeks old. I don't know how it came to my mind, but I imagined that this was my son, and I started to cry. I couldn't hold it in, and all my colleagues started to cry. Khalid's white helmet colleague, Abu Amar, was with him when the baby, named Mahmoud, was rescued. He expressed the same sentiment that people needing rescue required no qualification. He said, Any human being, no matter who they are or which side they are on, if they need our help, it's our duty to save them. Every morning I wake up and do this because it's my duty, my humanitarian duty. In the White Helmets we have a motto, to save a life is to save all of humanity. Consider this for a moment, that saving the life of an individual is to save all humanity. In its most profound and literal sense, this means that when I dissolve the boundary of otherness I hold between myself and another, I understand that I am my brother, my sister, and all humanity. In a New York Times article titled, Is Your God Dead?, George Yancey called out his own avoidance of street people and wondered, what is it that enables or permits this alienation? My hands are also dirty, he wrote. I'm guilty of missing the opportunity to recognise something of the divine in the face of the other on the street. I'm pretty sure I looked away when I caught a glimpse of a homeless man approaching the other day. How different is this from those who walked by the beaten and abandoned man in the parable of the Good Samaritan? I failed to see the homeless man as a neighbour. When we turn away like this, we behave as if our bodies had boundaries as if our skin truly separated us from the other. But what if, as I would argue, our bodies don't have strict edges? What if we could develop a new way of seeing the body that reveals that we are always, already touching, that we are inextricably linked to a larger institutional and social body that binds us all? The religious scholar Elizabeth Vasco made the same point with different words when she said, to be human is to be a person in relation. Indeed, and it's this social and existential reality that binds us to the lives of everyone without distinction. We are here to awaken from the illusion of our separateness, said the Buddhist monk Thich Nhat Hanh. 
This is a truth that Khalid Omar Harar and Abu Omar know in their bones, and which they live each day as a sacred duty. So the question for each of us is this. When I dissolve the boundary that separates me from my neighbour, and I come to know that you are my brother, my sister, and humanity itself, what's my sacred duty? <laughs>